Come on now. How's everybody doing today? Amen. Amen. After that type of worship, we should be on our feet and giving the Lord some praise. Um, so we are going to be continuing our series today on blessed and bruised. And I'm going to be speaking out of second Corinthians chapter nine. And if you haven't been um, following the series, I would recommend that you guys uh, go on our YouTube channel and um, check out the message two weeks ago. Uh, Pastor Joyce did a phenomenal job at reading recapping from the beginning of the series to where she was going to be preaching. And then last week, um, I'm sure you all agree, you know, I love when Pastor Mike preaches. He just breaks down things so awesome. And so last week, he ministered out of the uh, chapter 8, and um, he was um, he was using the churches of Corinth and Macedonia as an example of generosity and giving. And I just loved the way that he ended his message in his prayer during that time of prayer. You know, he prayed that we would not be a church with closed fists, but that we would have hands wide open, generous in our giving, and that we would be known to be a church that was generous in our giving. Um, and I just loved that, and that stayed with me, and it resonated with me. And so today's message is interesting um, because, again, we're going to be speaking on giving. Uh, we're going to be speaking on generosity. We're going to be speaking out of um, Paul wants us to check our hearts in how we give. So again, you know, this is a message on giving and giving doesn't sit well with a lot of people. You know, there's this stigma that the church is always asking for money. Um, and so I just think it's important to understand. Paul thought it was important because he not only wrote one chapter about it, he wrote two chapters about it. And it was so important to him that he said, well, now we're going to do this back to back. So he wants us to understand and so just to give you um, a little overview of what's going on in scripture today. So we have uh, Paul begins to draw a parallel again with the church in Corinth and the church in Macedonia. And he's using money and giving. And so what's happening here is that the Corinthian church had made a promise. They had, were going to uh, financially support a program. So the church in Jerusalem was was struggling and so they had made a commitment financially and so because they made this commitment so the church in Macedonia saw the example in the Corinthian church and they got excited and so they made a commitment and so because of what was happening in the church in Corinthians um, then the church in Macedonia was kind of following in that track they were excited about giving and giving to a church now here we have the Jewish church right this was the church um these are God's chosen people and um, they're struggling. And so, you know, these two other churches have a commitment now to help them financially in that struggle. Um, and so what's happening is, see, the Corinthian church made their commitment, but now it's a year later and the commitment has still not been fulfilled. And so Paul is reminding them about the commitment. And so Paul doesn't want them to go grow weary. And so, um, he reminds them and then he tells them, I'm going to send some brothers over to help you so that you're prepared so that when I get there, you're not embarrassed because you haven't fulfilled your obligation and that you're not scrambling to do it with the wrong heart. Um, so let's read verses one through five. 
It says, now it is unnecessary for me to write to you about the ministry of the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Eucheia <laughs> has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated, say nothing of you for being so confident." So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. And there's a lot happening here. And it kind of reminds it me of, um, you know, they made a commitment to a gift. And probably when they made it, you know, they were really excited about it. And as I was studying, you know, and reading the notes um, that Pastor Mike had sent, it just reminds it, me of us. You know, when we start a new year, every year we, we, we you know, we, we enter in with vision. Um, and so vision is casted for the new year and we review all of the different programs and all of the different things that the Lord is calling upon us to do. And so we enter into January and we're excited over the pledges that come in, right? We see vision, we understand the vision. And so part of the vision, we make our commitment to give unto the Lord and to give to the local church. And we're like gung ho about this in January. But then in February, things start to die down. And by March, we're not thinking so much of the vision. And then comes June and... um it's mid-year point. And so we have to kind of remind people of where we're at. This is your commitment. Um, this is how far you have to go. So be excited. You still have another six months. And so we keep doing this. And sometimes it doesn't sit well with people. But I saw it so important um, that, you know, what we struggle with today perhaps was the struggle uh, for the Corinthian church. And this was why Paul had to go and remind them and send Titus to remind them, hey, you made a commitment to this. So we want to make sure that you're ready um, so that when we come to receive it, you're not embarrassed. And I'm not embarrassed because I've been so proud of you and so excited that I've been boasting about your commitment for almost a year now. Um, so I just thought that was really important, at least to me it was. So Paul's concern is that he and the Corinthians were going to be embarrassed if he shows up in Corinth to collect their contribution to the J Jerusalem Christians and, um, and they would not be ready. So he sends Titus ahead of himself to prepare them. And, um, you know, he reminds us that they were once enthusiastic about participating in the project. And so Paul hopes that his boasting about the Corinthians, uh, which inspired again, inspired the Macedonians to give sacrificially will not prove to have been meaningless. So um, I think it's really important for us to understand what Paul was doing here. He was encouraging. He was reminding. He wanted to grow them in maturity that they would not just be doing things from an emotional place um, because sometimes we do that. And um, he wanted to mature and grow them in commitment unto the things that they have promised um, for the kingdom of God. And so then um, I love verse 6, 
Verse 6 reads, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And I just love that Paul starts out with, this is the point. So let's hear this, you know. Let there be no misunderstanding of what I'm telling you. Basically, the point is this. If you give a little, you're going to get back a little. But if you give a lot, then you can expect to receive a lot. And so, you know, when we, when we hear these things of scripture, we automatically think, uh, well, if I give a hundred dollars, that means I'm going to get a thousand dollars back. And that's not what this means at all. See, the economy that the Lord wants us to take on is not that of which, you know, uh, the, the regular world looks at. So our posture as Christians should be one of generosity in all things, keeping in mind that when we sow into the kingdom of God, we will read things in the kingdom of God. So those things sometimes may not be tangible things. They, not be, they may not be things that you can touch or that you can see or that, you know, you can open um, your bank statement and see. I gave a hundred and now I have a thousand. That's not going to be the case. It can be sometimes, but 90% of the times it's not. Um, so when we cheerfully take on this posture of giving, God is pleased and we find favor in him and our lives are filled with many, many blessings, okay? Blessings don't only come in the form of money because sometimes you can have a lot of money and be a miserable human being. So, you know, money is not a bad thing, but money is not always a good thing, right? So Paul is referencing um, in, in the scripture, he's going back to Proverbs eleven twenty four through 20. To cite a general principle in verse 6 of our text today. And I just want to read that to you. So Proverbs 11 verses 24 through 26. And it reads as follows. One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessings on the one who is willing to sell. So people bless those who are willing to give. And those who give receive blessings. And those who are the recipients of the blessing pray over the giver of the blessing, you know. And this is a wonderful thing. So this is the vision that Paul wants the Corinthian church to catch. And this is the vision that he wants us to catch today because there's a struggle in, in the, the church at large. People don't want to give. Um, and sometimes, you know, we just, you know, we fall into that trap that, you know, I have bills to pay and I have kids to feed and I have a mortgage and I have this and I have that, you know, but when we seek first the kingdom of God, God is faithful to give us all things, right? So the vision that Paul wants us to catch is this, that their financial contributions or our financial contributions to the needs of other believers can be, can, can cause some spiritual results, right? So the more they plant out of a heart of true Christ-like love for their spiritual brothers, the more that love will bear crops or will bear fruit. So the more we pour out, the more we give of ourselves, of our finances, of our talents, of everything that God has given us, if we give it with the right heart attitude, if we have a Christ-like attitude and a passion for other people, whether they're serving in the kingdom of not, then the more love, that love, will we will see the fruit of that love. You know? 
We see there's a war. There's Russians, right? Ukrainians, right? They're at war. We're listening on the TV. We're seeing what's going on. And so many times we turn a deaf ear when we should be praying. And not praying for one side or the other, but praying for all brothers and sisters. Because regardless of where they're at, there is a need. And people are perishing. And they need God. So whether they're in Ukraine or whether they're in Russia or whether they're in Brooklyn, New York, they need the Lord. And the Lord needs us to be able to fund the things that God wants to do to reach his people. Amen. So those results are not in money coming back to the Corinthians and it's not resulting in money coming back to us, but in the spiritual lives of the givers and those who receive their gifts. In that sense, money becomes more than just money, guys. It becomes evidence of love given in the name of Christ. And that's what we want to be. We want to be image bearers of Christ in everything we do. So we can't just say, I care for my brethren because actions speak louder than words. And people are waiting to see if you can put your money where your mouth is. So verse 7 reads, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I'm going to repeat that. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So our giving should be voluntary. And it should spring from a cheerful, grateful attitude. It should come from our hearts. We shouldn't have to be told time and time again that we have to do it. You want to be able to give from a cheerful heart. And you should not feel that you're being pressured to give when you hear a message like today's message or last week's message. See, our job as ministers or anyone who takes a pulpit is to point you to the truth of Jesus and allow him to speak to you in light of what he has given you, in light of what he has given you, in light of what he has given Millie, in light of what he has given you. So ask yourself this morning, what has the Lord given me? Has he given you anything? See, he did, because whether you're thinking, well, I don't have a job, or I don't have enough money, or blah, 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 blah. Hey, God gave his son as ransom, allowing him to hang on a cross, allowing his body to be broken and bruised, and his innocent blood shed, and all for what? He did that so that you and I could have eternal life, so that we can receive healing, so that we can be forgiven of our sins, so that we can be adopted as sons and daughters, so that we... We, we, you and I could have a different way of life. Does that mean we're going to be rich? Not financially, no. But we will be rich in the spirit. See, our job as ministers is to help you to understand this principle and then encourage you to walk it out in obedience unto the Lord. And obedience unto the Lord takes maturity. See, we don't want to be a bunch of believers that are walking in just our emotions because our emotions are going to get us in trouble because after that initial honeymoon stage, after the goosebumps go away, then reality kicks in and that's when we struggle. So see, we want to be mature Christians. We want to know what the word of God is. We want to walk it out whether we see it or not in the natural. Because we want to be a people that walk by faith and not by sight, right? So then he says, 
God will make his grace abound in you so that you may abound in every good work. And the bottom line is this, that we can never outgive God. There is nothing you can give God that he cannot give you on. So the takeaway here is the opportunity to give to meet the needs of others should delight God's children, should delight you and I because we are God's children. And when it does, then he, the Lord, is delighted in them or in us, his children. I don't know about you, but I want the Lord to delight in me. So now, I'm not saying that you should go and that you should empty out your bank account and give it all to the church because that would not be wise. But what I am saying is if you hear a prompting from the Lord, when you're listening to a message like this, or you could be home, or you could be, you know, thinking about your vision pledges, wherever you're at, if there's a prompting from the Lord, and the Lord is asking something of you, then just be obedient and be submissive, not to man, but to the Lord. And this is what the message that Paul is trying to, to deliver to the church in, in Corinth, right? Be committed, stay committed, you know? Don't run after emotions because emotions come and go. We want to be mature. We want to be stable Christians that no matter what we see in the natural, we will not wither. We will just continue steadfast. And, you know, this is a hard lesson to learn. And I was remembering as I was studying, um, you know, as believers, we always come to that fork in the road where decision has to be made. And I was remembering... Um, an anniversary service where Apostle John Kelly, which is Bishop and Pastor Joyce's pastor, he had come to minister. And so um, at the end of his message, he felt led from the Lord um, to just challenge some people. And he said, you know, I believe that there are some people here today that the Lord would want you to sow a seed of a $1,000 above and beyond what you had already pledged. And so a few people felt from the Lord um, that, you know, that message was for them and he said if that's you stand up you know and some people stood up and um you know they wrote out their checks and they handed it uh to the ushers and um you know I was like well I wish I could do that but no you know I there's no way I could do that um and I didn't feel led to do it uh but then he said you know I just believe that there's a handful of people here that the Lord is tugging in your heart and you can't give a thousand dollars but the Lord wants you to commit to giving $500. And you know what? Without thinking, I stood up and I grabbed my checkbook and I wrote the check and I handed it to the usher. And so then we went home and as I'm home and I'm pondering about what I had done, I was like, you're crazy. You know, um, this was, yeah, you know, I'm being honest. I, I was struggling with it. I'm like, you know, I'm taking from my children. You know, I relied on my year-end bonuses at work to catch up on my bills, to be able to take my kids on vacation and to do some things around the house. And I just felt like, you know, maybe I acted, I was impulsive. I acted out of emotions and um, this is not responsible. Um, so I had made up in my mind, I'm going to call our finance manager in the morning and I'm going to ask her to void that check. But the more I thought about it, the less comfortable I felt with that. And I just felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to be obedient, to allow myself to test my faith, to grow my faith. And so I did. And I was a little nervous about it, you know, but I'm like, okay. And um, so, you know, they cashed the check and I was out $500. Um, 
But a few weeks later, you know, I found out, most of you know, I have an autistic daughter at home. And she was, you know, she was barely like four or five years old at the time. And I had just found out that the Board of Education could not service her. And they had found a private institution that would give her the services she needed. But because it was private, I had to pay out of pocket. And um, it was $25,000 a year. And I didn't have that kind of money. And... um but see, God is so faithful because I trusted him and I gave my little $500. So I want to encourage you because sometimes we think, you know what? It's just a little bit. Somebody else can give more. My little $500, the Lord blessed because he used my secular boss at the time, whose only God was the God of money. You know, him and his wife opens up a fund so that my daughter can go to school. They pay $50,000, okay, for two years so that my daughter could go to school. And all I had to do was be obedient unto the Lord and give my little $500. So God is faithful. And you know what? It wasn't just the gift that he gave me back, but because I was able to send my daughter to school. Because see, in the natural, I'm thinking, okay, um, I need to get a second job. No, a second job is not going to cut it. I'm probably going to have to work three jobs to be able to pay for my daughter's school, right? And so the Lord didn't want me tied up in jobs because he had work for me to do in his kingdom. So he used my secular job. He used a man who didn't uh, follow him, who didn't receive him, who didn't want him. He used his money to pay for my daughter's school so that I could be released to do the work of the ministry. That's how the Lord operates. And this is what God was, uh, Paul was trying to teach the church in Corinth. So let's read verses 9 and 10. As it is written... He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And when we're reading and, and you hear he, that is the Lord. So the Lord is the one who distributes freely. He is the one, the Lord, who is given to the poor. His righteousness, the Lord's righteousness endures forever. He, the Lord, is the one who supplies the seed to the sower and he the Lord is the one that gives bread for food and he the Lord is the one that supplies and multiplies the seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness so giving for Christians is an act of faith sometimes we don't have it but faith you have to walk it out right you call those things that are not as though they are that's faith Trusting God to meet our needs while becoming the method by which he meets the needs of others. Wow. You know, trusting, trusting God to meet our needs while he is using us to meet their needs. See, God is not promising to offer material return on investment. That's not what this is all about. But rather the point is that God will enable the giver to continue in the good works he has prepared for them to do. Do you guys remember... A couple of months ago, we were doing a series on increase. Do you remember that? We were believing for God to give us an increase in our lives. And during the series, all of the speakers laid down what that would look like for us, right? And so some of the speakers spoke about the seed, which God has given to every one of us. What is the seed? It is our finances. It's our gifts and our talents, right? And then they spoke about sowing, Um and we heard that how much we sow or how much you plant or how much you give is really up to us, right? It's in our hearts, uh, but we want to be obedient. 
to God's leading. We want to be obedient to God's prompting. I needed to make a choice with that $500 check. I needed to either submit to the prompting of the spirit or submit to my own intellect and the natural. This is a stupid thing to do. But you know what? I submitted to the prompting, not of man. It wasn't John Kelly. It was the spirit of God who said, give it and trust me and watch and see what I can do for you. See, he was meeting a need for me that I didn't even know I had. And he was faithful with it. And then we learned about waiting. And this is the hard part. Because when we sow or when we plant, it takes time to see the growth or the increase. And sometimes we give to something and we get impatient because we don't see the fruit. Oh, what do they do with my money? You know? And then we learned about the work, right? So there's the seed, the sowing, the waiting, and now there's the work. And this is where we really get impatient because we all want to sow. Then we want to see a quick harvest. But that's not how it works, right? There's a waiting season. And the only example that I could come up with about seed, sow, wait, and work was a pregnant woman. See, a pregnant woman is so excited when that seed, when she realizes there's a seed, there's a baby growing inside of her, right? And um, and so she's sowing into that seed. She's taking care of her body. She's going to the doctor. She's taking her prenatal vitamins. She's preparing, right? And so then she's anticipating. She's waiting. Um, you know, she can't wait for the baby to be born, Um And so, you know, she knows I still have to wait, you know, because if the baby is born early, then that's not a good thing. So she knows there's a season of waiting and that's hard work because the back starts hurting. She starts gaining weight. Um, She starts swelling. She can't sleep well at night. She's constantly in the bathroom and she's exhausted. So... She gets impatient and she cannot wait for the day of delivery. And then the day of delivery comes and she's excited because I am going to work really hard these next few hours and I'm going to birth this baby and the work is over. I got my harvest, right? Little does she know that the work has just begun, right? Because she received her harvest. Now she's got to nurture that harvest, right? She's got to have sleepless nights. She's got to clothe that harvest. She's got to feed that harvest. She's got to think about when that harvest has to go to college. There are so many things that she, the work was just beginning. And see, the same thing is with us, right? The season of harvest takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of commitment and it takes a lot of money and it takes a lot of faith, church. So when it comes to harvest, it requires a lot of work. The same is true for the church. We pray for revival, but when it happens, it takes work to steward what God is giving us. And are we prepared? Are we prepared to do it? Because we know people come in. They come in with all their baggage. And we need to be ready for the harvest. People come in. There are issues in the church. There's there's counseling that needs to happen. There's more people to shepherd. And where are the shepherds in the church? Because we look at just the pastors, you know. And we're all called to do something in the kingdom of God. It's not just about the money. It's about your talents. It's about your time. It's about all the things that we give sacrificially unto the Lord. So verse 10, Paul quotes Psalm 112 verse 9. And he does it to make the point that God has always been in the business of meeting the needs of the poor. The writer of the psalm declares that God has distributed freely, including his gifts to the poor. And one indication of God's eternal righteousness is his generosity. And his people, us, should follow his example in giving 
to the needs of others as well. And then he goes on in verse 11 to say, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. And so Paul is using this verse to answer an unspoken question that many unbelievers have. And that question is, why should Christians willingly and cheerfully give money or time or energy or effort to meet the needs of others? If giving is not mandated and percentages are not required of a believer, then what's the primary motivation of our gifts? You see, because a lot of us feel, you know what, um, that tenth, that tithe, that's Old Testament. And we're not bound to Old Testament because now we're in the New Testament, right? There's the blood of Jesus. Um, and so we'll get to that a little later. You see, this chapter has established that God is ultimately the one who provides for those in need. We see that in verse 10. And he provides both the seed and the bread. He distributes freely what is needed to the poor. And a believer's willingness to give allows the, the believer to participate in what God is doing in the lives of others. See, it is more than simply getting people fed. It's also about increasing God's righteousness here on earth. Charitable Christians have the privileged opportunity to participate in God's work simply by being generous in our giving. And Paul adds here that God will enrich those believers who give generously. This is so that they may continue to give to meet the needs of others even more generously. And from this perspective, wealth is not a reward from God for generous giving. That's not what it is. So the mentality should not be, I'm going to give a hundred and I expect a thousand back. That is not the prosperity gospel, okay? That's not what we want you to walk away with. See, we're not meant to give so that we will become rich. That's not, if, if it happens, that's an awesome thing. It's not a bad thing to be rich because rich people with the right generous heart can be a blessing to the kingdom of God. But any increase in our resources comes with the expectation from God that it will be given away again and again to meet the needs of others. See, our posture as Christians should be one of generosity in all things. Remembering that when we give, we're not only helping others, but it should also produce thanksgiving to God. So when you help someone and they see you're doing it with the right heart, with no expectations, you know what? They pray for you. They thank God for you. Every time you walk into their lives, they see you as a blessing. And sometimes we forget that, you know? We take that posture or that attitude that, you know, oh, all they want is my money. All they want is for me to give them. You know what? They don't know any better, but you're a Christ-like individual. So when you walk in, they see you're my helper. You're the one that's blessing me. You're the one who's encouraging me. You're the one that's giving me hope. You're the one that's giving me rest to my weary soul. God is using you to be a blessing to somebody else. You know, I am so blessed for all the resources that the Lord has given my husband and I. You know, we're not rich by any means. You know, we 
go through seasons of financial challenges just like the next person. And if you've been to my house, you know it's not a big house. It's a small house. But you know what? Everything that the Lord has blessed us with, we have used it to be a blessing to other people. Because there is nothing that we hoard. We give it all away. So in our house, we have fed those who are hungry. And we do it with pleasure and delight. We have clothed the homeless. And our small house has been used as a safe refuge for many families. Many families in need. And we have never, ever stopped giving of our tithes, of our vision, or any offerings that the Lord has put in our hearts. Even when we have struggled financially, we have never stopped giving unto the work of the kingdom because God is faithful. And he knows the needs of his people. And he's not going to embarrass us. He's not going to do it. And this is what Paul was trying to, to, to get the Corinthian church to understand. Give what you have promised to the project because you don't want to be an embarrassment we don't want to be an embarrassment we want to be encouraging people people with open hands givers of everything that the lord has given to us so verse 13 by their approval of this service they will glorify god because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of god upon you thanks be to god for his inexpressible gift and that inexpressible gift from god gives us it, it, it involves unspeakable sacrifice on our behalf. You know, and Paul expresses that in Romans when he speaks about how God spared not his own son. He delivered him up for us, for all of us. See, God's true sacrifice exemplifies that. And get this, he gave his best. The Lord gave, God gave his best and his best was Jesus, his son. And he did that for the worst of all. And the worst is me and you. We were nothing. We were garbage, you know. He gave his best for the worst. And he did that um, with a loving heart, with a giving heart, because he knew. And Jesus knew. Jesus went to the cross willingly because of that giving heart. And so, you know, when I read that, it reminds me, and this is my last example, um, and I'm going to get ready to close. But, um, you know, years ago, I was working with another um, member and we were want, wanting to launch a single mom support group because we were both single moms and so we got together and we started planning this um this ministry and you know if you've ever worked with me you know I don't do things halfway we either go all in or I'm not in um and so we planned this beautiful event and we were going to launch uh, on Valentine's Day because you know this was a day where most single moms are never recognized they don't receive flowers they don't receive chocolate from a significant other um and so we wanted to be a blessing to them so we had ensured that every single mom in our church had a bouquet of red roses and we went out and we bought chocolates for them and you know we had this dinner plans and it was all paid from our pockets so we were not a burden to the church with what the lord had given us to do but about two weeks before the event pastor joyce calls me 
And I don't even know if she remembers this story. But she calls me, um, and I wasn't working for the church yet. I was working my secular job. And she said, hey, how is your planning going? I said, it's going fantastic. We were doing great. And she said, you know, I left a list of women from children of the city, single moms from children of the city, um, and I would like for you to invite them um, to your event. So I said, okay. Um, And then I spoke to my partner, and I said, you know, so, you know, This is what Pastor Joyce wants us to do. And then we started to think about it. And we said, you know, we've spent a whole lot of money uh, preparing for this event. And it's costing us a whole lot of money. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to keep things as is. We are going to do this event for the women in our church. And the following month, we'll invite those women. So a couple of days, I think it was before the events, Pastor Joyce calls me again. And she said, hey, just wanted to check in. Did you ever invite the women that I left for you uh, to reach out to? And without giving it a second thought, I said, no. You know, we decided that, you know, it's costing us a whole lot of money. And uh, we're going to do this for the women in our church. And then next month, we'll invite the women in that list. And there was a silence. It seemed like forever. And then in a really low tone, she said, so, so what you're telling me is that you put, a, you put a price tag on a soul. And I was like, excuse me? And she said, so basically what you're doing is you don't care whether those women go to hell or not. See, the women in our church have the Lord. They've received Jesus. Um, they've received their salvation. These women have never known God. They have never received him as Lord and Savior. So you put a price tag on a woman coming to know the Lord. And that pierced my heart. You know, it was a hard lesson to learn. That was a maturing moment for me. And those were harsh words she used. And somebody else could have been very insulted and walked away and said, who are you, you know, to talk to me in that tone of voice? But you know what? It was a moment of wisdom and a moment of maturity for me. And let me tell you, there has not been a day that has not gone by that every time I think about that list that I don't have to repent before the Lord and I have to wonder, did they meet the Lord? Was I a stumbling block for any of those women? And you know what? I never want to be put in that position again. So again, if any of you ladies have ever worked with me, you know how frustrated you are when we have a woman's event and the deadline came and goes and somebody wants to go in the last minute and my response to all the women that have worked with me is we leave no one behind I don't care whether you have the money or not I'm gonna find the money if it means you're gonna meet Christ if it means that I'm gonna be the person that the Lord uses to be a blessing to you So I put a price tag on a soul, and that was a really hard lesson to learn, but it is a lesson I will never, ever forget. And so from that day forward, I've learned to be obedient unto the Lord. Whatever the Lord instructs me to do, I'm going to do it, because my obedience can lead someone else's submission to receiving Christ. So in other words, when you give and someone says yes to the Lord, you play a part in changing eternity forever. So take a moment to think about that. 
I think about these women all the time. And that was a hard lesson I learned from Pastor Joyce. She could be rough at times. But you know what? Those are lessons that stay with you. And those are lessons that grow us. And that is why when you look at the leadership of this church, it's been, they, we've been around forever, you know. And, and yeah, you know, and, and so it's a deposit. And so the wisdom and all these, these blessings that the Lord has poured. See, the Lord used Pastor Joyce to teach me, to grow me. And so she poured into me what the Lord had poured into her and what I got from her then I pour into the women that the Lord put in my life and those women then get to pour into other women who get to pour into other women and that's what it's all about those are the blessings it's not give me a thousand dollars because I gave you a hundred it's not that I gave five hundred so now I expect fifty thousand it is about growing the kingdom of earth this is about eternity and just remember, we will never be able to outgive God. And after all is said and done, our mission is filling heaven while we're still here on earth. Why would we not want to sow abundantly into the kingdom? Especially if people are being transformed by the power of Christ. That was a message that Paul wanted to ensure that the church in Corinthians got. He wanted to ensure that they would not go weary in their commitment to the Jerusalem church. Because you see, as they were blessing, as the Greeks and the Gentile churches were being a blessing to the church in Jerusalem, to the Jews, to the ones who were arrogant, to the ones who walked around knowing that they were God's chosen people. See, when the church in Jerusalem was seeing that the Greeks and the Gentiles were being a blessing to them, then whatever doubt they had about whether or not these churches were serving and loving the same God, they were had to be eliminated because they were put their faith in action they were tending to the needs of the poor in this case it was the church in Jerusalem I want us as Pastor Mike said last week I want to be the church known not for having a closed fist when it comes to generosity but hands wide open ready to be used by the Lord to serve his kingdom, to grow his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And when we get to, to meet the Lord one day, see, the Lord doesn't want us to be hoarders of everything that we have. He gives us, he blesses us so that we in turn can be a blessing to others. So that when we get to him, we can say, I have nothing. I come to you with nothing. Because everything you have given me and everything you have poured into me, I left it in somebody else. I'm growing your kingdom on earth. Why don't we stand to our feet? Thank you, Lord. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. Let's just ponder. Ponder on the lesson that Paul wanted the church in Corinth to understand, to be committed to not be a church that would be moved by emotions that they would not walk in emotions but that they would be mature, cheerful givers, not because they were told to give but because they had a Christ-like attitude to give. Christ gave it all gave it all for us he gave his best for the worst us 
And today, I just want to make a call. If there's anyone here that has never received Jesus into their hearts, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, with every eye closed and every head bowed, you would just raise your hand and let us pray with you. If there's anyone here, anyone who would say, Lord, and if you don't want to raise your hand, that's okay. Just echo the words. All God needs to know is that you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that you invite him into your heart. And you may not understand, you may not know what to do, but you invite him to be Lord over your life. And you declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he was crucified, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. And he is seated at the right hands of the Lord. And if you believe that, then you can believe that Christ abides in you. Now I just want to invite anyone who is struggling. Perhaps, you know, you're struggling with this message. Perhaps, um, you know, you don't understand. Or, or you're struggling with the fact that, you know, I want to give. But, you know, I'm still stuck in that place of lack. Um, I want to have faith. Faith to give. Not just of my money, but of my time, of my talents. Um, you want to be used by the Lord. And so if you want to be used by God, if you want your faith to increase, if you need prayer just to build up your faith, I want you guys to just come on up and let us pray with you. I would love to pray with you. So... Ruber and the worship team are going to lead us into worship. And if anyone has any need or you want prayer, just feel free to come on up. Amen. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.